It was a queer, sultry summer, the summer they electrocuted the Rosenbergs, and I didn't know what I was doing in New York. I'm stupid about executions. The idea of being electrocuted makes me sick, and that's all there was to read about in the papers. Goggle-eyed headlines staring up at me on every street corner and at the fusty, peanut-smelling mouth of every subway. It had nothing to do with me, but I couldn't help wondering what it would be like being burned alive all along your nerves. I thought it must be the worst thing in the world. New York was bad enough. By nine in the morning, the fake, country-wet freshness that somehow seeped in overnight evaporated like the tail end of a sweet dream. Mirage gray at the bottom of their granite canyons, the hot streets wavered in the sun. The car top sizzled and glittered, and the dry, cindery dust blew into my eyes and down my throat. I kept hearing about the Rosenbergs over the radio and at the office till I couldn't get them out of my mind. It was like the first time I saw a cadaver. For weeks afterward, the cadaver's head, or what there was left of it, floated up behind my eggs and bacon at breakfast and behind the face of Buddy Willard, who was responsible for my seeing it in the first place, and pretty soon I felt as though I were carrying that cadaver's head around with me on a string, like some black, noseless balloon stinking of vinegar. I knew something was wrong with me that summer because all I could think about was the Rosenbergs and how stupid I'd been to buy all those uncomfortable, expensive clothes hanging limp as fish in my closet and how all the little successes I'd totted up so happily at college fizzled to nothing outside the slick marble and plate glass fronts along Madison Avenue. I was supposed to be having the time of my life, I was supposed to be the envy of thousands of other college girls just like me all over America who wanted nothing more than to be tripping about in those same size 7 patent leather shoes I'd bought in Bloomingdale's one lunch hour with a black patent leather belt and black patent leather pocketbook to match. And when my picture came out in the magazine the 12 of us were working on, drinking martinis in a skimpy imitation silver lame bodice, stuck onto a big, fat cloud of white tulle on some starlight roof in the company of several anonymous young men with all-American bone structures hired or loaned for the occasion. Everybody would think I must be having a real whirl. Look what can happen in this country, they'd say. A girl lives in some out-of-the-way town for 19 years, so poor she can't afford a magazine. And then she gets a scholarship to college and wins a prize here and a prize there and ends up steering New York like her own private car. Only I wasn't steering anything, not even myself. I just bumped from my hotel to work and to parties and from parties to my hotel and back to work like a numb trolley bus. I guess I should have been excited the way most of the other girls were, but I couldn't get myself to react. I felt very still and very empty, the way the eye of a tornado must feel, moving dully along in the middle of the surrounding hullabaloo. There were 12 of us at the hotel. We had all won a fashion magazine contest by writing essays and stories and poems and fashion blurbs, 
And as prizes, they gave us jobs in New York for a month, expenses paid, and piles and piles of free bonuses, like ballet tickets and passes to fashion shows and hairstylings at a famous expensive salon and chances to meet successful people in the field of our desire and advice about what to do with our particular complexions. I still have the makeup kit they gave me, fitted out for a person with brown eyes and brown hair an oblong of brown mascara with a tiny brush, and a round basin of blue eyeshadow just big enough to dab the tip of your finger in, and three lipsticks ranging from red to pink, all cased in the same little gilt box with a mirror on one side. I also have a white plastic sunglasses case with colored shells and sequins, and a green plastic starfish sewed onto it. I realized we kept piling up these presents because it was as good as free advertising for the firms involved. But I couldn't be cynical. I got such a kick out of all those free gifts showering onto us. For a long time afterward, I hid them away, 